Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Got Kevin Ioli coming up, the great boxing and UFC writer from Yahoo. 17 years at Yahoo. Now he's launching KevinIoli.com. We love talking combat sports, and we love bet online. NFL playoffs are here. NFC and AFC championship games coming up. NBA season of full swing. Bet Online's got you covered. All to the up, up to the second odds, news, and scores. And we even leave the stuttering and stammering in so you know this is genuine and real. Our love for Bet Online, our sponsor. Odds, lines, trends right there on your phone or on your desktop. World's best wagering information anytime, betonline.ag. Head there today. Get in on the action. And remember, you can use the promo code BLEAV, believe. We are on the Believe Audio Network. That's the platform that carries the JT and Looney podcast. And just for being friends with JT and Looney, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online by using that promo code BLEAV. Believe. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome to the JT and Looney podcast. We're thrilled. We got a longtime friend of ours, Kevin Ioli, one of the great boxing insiders, writers, MMA writers of all time. And he's kind enough to join us as we kick off the new year. Kevin, great to see you, man. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Really good. And we get and, a and, and, and this year of Zoom, and this, you know, of Zoom ever since COVID, most people don't get the lighting right. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> he does. Kevin, you got the lighting right. I love it. <laughs> okay, well, I love it, right. huh? The background's good. The lighting is right. I mean, you see secretaries of state on CNN. They can't even get the goddamn lighting right. Good job, Kevin. <laughs> Well, I think you're going to see something in 2025 uh, for my political ambitions. Okay, great, great. (laughs) Hey, let's jump in and start off because we've been friends a long time and seeing you ringside, seeing you all over the world covering boxing and MMA. You just made a pivot, a transition to your own venture, your own business. Tell us about how that came about and what you're doing now. Well, I was at Yahoo Sports, uh, JT, for almost 17 years. And, you know, they they treated me great. You know, I have no bad things to say about uh, my time at Yahoo Sports, except how it ended, right? You know, I I lost my job on December 1st. Um, I was one of about 40 people that was laid off uh, that morning out of the sports department. Um, I had been there. I think I was the fourth most senior person or third most senior person on the staff. And, you know, so it wasn't all that surprising when in retrospect, when you look at it. Um, and, and, and so I just sat there and I said, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to work for somebody else? Do I want to retire? And, and I still love to do this. And I said, you know what, at this stage of my life, I feel like I have something to offer. And I wanted to create in my own image what a sports website would be, in, in my case, a combat sports website, and not have an editor, uh, not that I didn't work with great editors, but I worked on their vision. This is going to be my vision. Wow. And I think you know people are going to like it. If you're a combat sports fan, I think you're going to like it. And the thing that I'm really happy about is it's going to get better and better. KevinIoli.com is where you can find him. KevinIoli.com. Up and running and, and looking good. And since it's going to be a combat sports site, it leads me to the, uh, one of the things I was thinking about talking to you about here today, and that is, um, you know, my next-door neighbor, kid I watched grow up, took two girls to the prom. Th- times have oh. changed. Times have changed, Kevin. 
And when it comes to MMA and boxing, UFC and boxing, why can't we all take two girls to the problem? How come we can't all be Kevin Ioli and like both of them without having to apologize? Yeah, I, I don't understand that. I mean, you know, and there's probably about a 20 to 25 percent crossover between the two that I have seen over the years. Yeah. Right. So you have a, that many that like both of them. But, you know, there there's a big difference. And I, and I don't get it. And, you know, that was something that I actually worried about when I started this site, because, you know, there's everything is going to be on one page. Now I have tabs and everything to uh, differentiate it. Uh and under my podcast, which I haven't launched yet, but I'm going to do two podcasts, one boxing, one MMA, because I knew the the people who like MMA aren't going to like boxing and the people who aren't uh, who like boxing aren't going to like MMA. And real quickly, Tom, I think what ended up happening was at the beginning, there was an inferiority complex among MMA fans, you know, because boxing was bigger and you were an M MMA fan right. and they just had to bat down boxing to kind of make themselves feel good. I think it's kind of switched now. MMA is bigger, you know, the UFC's growth and everything. And so boxing fans kind of want to get back to where they were and they bat that, oh, look at, you know, it's not real striking, blah, 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 blah. And so they bat down MMA. And I just think it's, you know, according to what you like, I like them both. I'm a, I'm a longtime boxing guy. I was in boxing first, but as I've learned, I love MMA now. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I gave it a chance way back, you know, what, 25 years ago that, that I've been doing MMA. That's a really good point, which I was going to get to in my notes here. You were one of the guys who made a genuine pivot to do both and weren't trashing either one along the way. Right. I, I'm i a unique guy because I've been to over 100 championship fights. I've been in Vegas since 96. I'm a boxing guy. I grew yeah. up watching boxing in the wide world of sports and Ali. When MMA came around, and I know Dana, and Dana's big here in Vegas, and their global headquarters is here. You know, I didn't like it as much as boxing, and I've evolved a bit. I still think boxing is a much bigger sport. I still believe that boxing is a massive sport around the world and MMA. It's going to take a while to catch up and boxing. And we'll get into it in this conversation. Kevin goes through cycles, right? The great cycles of Rocky Marciano, Sugar Ray Robinson, then the, the three Kings and then Mike Tyson, and then the void of heavyweights that we'll get into then the welterweight dominance of all, but boxing's going to be here forever. And sometimes with MMA, I'm watching guys who have six losses. They're at the end of their career. They're getting thrown in there again. And I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it. I didn't like the female aspect of it. I like the women competing, but I don't like the way. Well, you never liked that in boxing either. Well, no, I don't like the way oh. the fans. I don't like the way the fans treat the females as they're oh, gambling okay. on them. Really, really bothered me. But that's a different topic. But Kevin, what you did was you embraced it and didn't fight it. So when you made the move to cover both. I think MMA fans really respected you because they knew your history in boxing. Now, you didn't apologize yeah. like JT. <laughs> so I, I'll give you a, a little bit of a history of how, how I came to that decision. So um, I was working at the Re Las Vegas Review Journal newspaper at the time. Um, Royce Fjord was also covering uh, boxing. We were both covering boxing. And Royce was a uh, long timer. He, and he was never going to cover anything in boxing. You know, he was a traditionalist and he did. And so I wanted to do more and more things. Mark Ratner, who was at the Athletic Commission at the time, he mentioned to me, he said, hey, uh, MMA is going to be legalized here and you ought to, uh, you know, get ready for it because we're going to start having MMA fights. So I actually looked into it. Then I went uh, I went to an MMA fight. I actually talked to Lorenzo Fertitta then, and he was the one that convinced me because I had lunch with Lorenzo after it was approved in Nevada. 
And Lorenzo basically was pitching me on what they were doing. And I, I wasn't so sure it was going to be successful. I'll be honest with that. But I said, Lorenzo Fertitta is one of the most significant business people in this town. And if he believes that it's going to be successful, I think it's worth covering him because he's so significant in town. And so I, I followed the lead on it and it took me a while to understand the sport. Right. I, at first I thought it was bad boxing. Right. I, I, I know better now, but at the time I thought it was bad boxing. I learned uh, what the sport is all about and, and it's been great for me. It's, it's given me an entirely new career and it gives me something that I love to do. I mean, MMA fights, the, the one thing about MMA, when you go to a card and, and Dana White set this tone, but it now permeates all through MMA. You're not going to have one good fight on a card or two good fights on a card. You're going to have eight, 10, 12 good fights on a card. Every now and then you get a card that's not as good as the others, but the, the matchmaking is even and the fighters come to fight and the matches are incredible. It's incredible too. When you take a look at what the, uh, I think the effect it's had on culture I call it the Buffalo Wild Wings effect when there's nothing else on on a Tuesday night and you get cheap wings on Tuesday and there's there's reruns of UFC up on uh, a, a lot of times at sports bars and guys have looked up and said I want to look like that. Well UFC has had an effect on gyms. Cross training is oh, like sure. mixed martial arts. So people do running and weightlifting and and a little bit of everything so they can look like that. I think it's had more of an, an, an effect on the culture than people even realize. Oh, I, I think there's no doubt. I mean, people ask me, is it in the mainstream? Well, number one, when they uh, purchased the WWE and formed the group TKO, it was valued at $13 billion, $12.9 billion. So if you have a company that is valued at $12.9 billion, I think that's in the mainstream, right? <laughs> right, yeah. But, but you, Tom, you are, you're right. I mean, in that it permeates, you know, I mean, most of the kids that I run into now watch it, right? There's, you know, there's some that are hardcore, there's some that are not, but there, right. there's not a lot of people say, nah, I don't, young, young people say, nah, I don't like MMA. They all know what it is. They're all, uh, they're all interested in it. Uh, a lot of them are training it. Um, you know, it was jujitsu for years, right? And there's still kids that just do strictly jujitsu, but there's kids now that are young and their parents put them in MMA at the beginning. And, and that's really bodes well for the sport's long-term future. Yeah, where I'm podcasting with you guys is a good example. I got a sports room here, and when my sons are 22 and 20, when there's a big UFC card, everyone's here. Right. And I got eight, nine kids in the house that watch it and love it, and they're into every card. Uh, Kevin, I want to jump in real quickly because we want to make sure we move through a lot of topics. The history of Lorenzo and Frank and Dana and how Dana kept them in it when they were looking at that first couple of million-dollar investment. It wasn't working out. They were struggling. What's the real story? on how Dana kept Lorenzo and Frank in the deal. And now years later, when Lorenzo and Frank sold it and kept Dana in the deal, this is now multi-billions, as you talked about. Yeah, they were $40 million in the hole, and Lorenzo had gone really hard in. Uh, he became a fan of the sport. He didn't see it just as a business proposition, but he, he was a fan of the sport. Um, but what happened, it wasn't working. And Lorenzo came to the idea that, you know what? this is the right sport at the wrong time. And he just thought, you know, it wasn't the right time and they were going to have to sell it, fold it, whatever. So Dana actually went on and looked at it, but the ultimate fighter was their Trojan horse, right? Because that was the way they reached a lot of people and they got a deal with spike and they bought time on uh, the, the channel that no longer exists spike. They had, and they 
paid for that whole show, the Ultimate Fighter show. And the finale was really the, where things went. Forrest Griffin fought Stefan Bonner in one of the all-time great fights who still ranks among the top 10 or 15 fights in UFC history. And what was happening is people are watching that fight live on TV and they weren't even MMA fans and they see the fight and friends are calling and saying, hey, are you watching this fight? And they started calling. That night, they made a deal for season two. There was no deal. It was going to end that night. It was a time buy. They made a deal in the parking lot outside the Cox Pavilion with the people from Spike, and that really set it up for success going forward. I'm talking to Kevin Ioli from KevinIoli.com. Check it out. That sounds out. good. Yes, doesn't it? All right. And, uh, you know, what, what fighter or event when you were younger made you fall in love with the fight game? Well, let's see. He's right here and he's right here oh, and here man. and here. Muhammad Ali, of course. Okay. Um, you know, um, Ali was my idol from as long as, as I can remember. Um, and I grew up um, in the 70s. You know, I, I, I was born in 59. So I, I Ali was the champion. So you had, little, you had fights on school nights. Yes. Yes, yes. of course. I, and and it was just incredible to follow him because he became the largest figure in sports, right? I mean, when Ali fought, his his rematch with Leon Spinks was on, I believe it was ABC, primetime heavyweight championship rematch at the Superdome, and the ratings on television, 93 million people watched that fight, and that was wow. the most watched television show for a long, long time. And even now, it, it still ranks up there among the top uh, TV, you know, uh, shows of all time. So Ali was what got really got me into it. And um, and then I, you know, just happened to, there was a lot of fights on. I loved it. Um, I loved the the whole, I always loved the walkouts, right? You see the guy coming out and he had yep. the stare and I, and that just really jazzed me up. And, and so, uh, and, and Dana and I share that, right? Cause I've talked to him about that and he had the same, you know, he had that same appreciation for boxing back in the day and the walkouts and all that. And, um, and Ali is what got me where I am now. I have friends. I have guys. I have friends who grew up in Europe. And Richard Schaefer is one of them. He's not a friend, but he grew up in Europe, whose family got them up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch Muhammad Ali fights. I mean, yep. that's, that's the reach he's had, the effect he's had on people. Kevin, what do you say when people say Ali's the greatest of all time, even though he has losses, even though the end of his career was, you know, kind of a struggle? And then Floyd, as we pivot, was undefeated. And then we saw great fighters in the prime of their career. And a lot of our viewers and listeners don't know about Sugar Ray Robinson, but they heard of him and Jake LaMotta. How do you come to grips with that conversation about the greatest of all time? Well, it's easy. I mean, it's easy. Sugar Ray Robinson is the greatest fighter of all time and nobody's close. Ali said that, um, you know, many people said that Ali is the greatest figure in boxing history. And you can argue in sports history. Um, the impact that he had on the world. I mean, look in uh, what was it, 1990, uh, when he went to Iraq and uh, and met with Saddam Hussein and got hostages released. I mean, the impact that this guy had beyond the fights. Uh, when he when he died, one of the obits that we had on Yahoo Sports was, and there was a dramatic picture of Ali on a, the eighth floor of a hotel. And he was leaning out the window and there was a guy that was on the ledge. He was threatening suicide and he was going to jump. 
and the police and fire department were begging him not to jump. And he said, I want to talk to Muhammad Ali. Ali happened to be in L.A. at the time. They brought him up to the window and Ali convinced the man not to jump out and not to take his own life. Right. I mean, that that's more than scoring 70 points in a playoff basketball game. That's right. more than throwing five touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. I mean, what he did, you know, he he impacted the world in so many ways. He had a lot of um, uh influence in ending the war in Vietnam, creating, you know, uh, creating all that resistance to the war and, and ending that war. I mean, and so he was a huge cultural figure beyond sports. You know, he was not the greatest fighter of all time. I think he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, uh, not the greatest fighter of all time. When you take a look at the size of fighters now, you know, I have a Rocky Marciano shirt on. My yep. dad's my dad's first date with my mother, he took us, romantic that he is, he took her to a closed circuit viewing. <laughs> <laughs> the Rocky Marciano fight. And but when you Rocky Marciano was you know five ten, one ninety. Yeah, at his and, top. Uh and what would he have done against <laughs> against the guys fighting today? The Klitschko brothers and Leon and uh, and and or, or Lennox Lewis or any of the super or or, or Tyson Fury. Well, Ty, Tyson Fury is six nine two seventy five. <laughs> yeah. Right? So so Rocky Mar but Rocky Marciano would be Probably a light heavyweight because yeah. light heavyweight's 175 and cruiserweight is 200. Right. Uh, that's a big gap, right? And if and he was fighting in the 180s, you know, if he could have made 175, which I think would, he probably could have done, then I think if he was fighting today, he would have been a light heavyweight. But well, I think Kevin, put him aside. What about Ali and Frazier and those wonderful people? As great tough guys we watched growing up against yeah. these against these monsters that are heavyweight. So I'll, you know, Ali. Skill, Floyd Mayweather coined the phrase, skills pays the bills. Mm -hmm. And Ali had the skills that Marciano, you know, Marciano was a tough guy, right? Mm -hmm. And Marciano got in your face and he had one of the greatest chins of all time. And he hit like a sledgehammer and every punch he hit you with hurt on the arms and hurt on the shoulders. And, you know, he just, he beat you up, right? He would have still been able to do that, but these bigger guys would have been able to take those punches. But Ali would have been able to avoid a lot of those punches. So do I think that uh, Tyson Fury would have been able to beat Ali? I think it was a fight, right? I think it's a fight. Tyson Fury at his best against Ali. Now, if he fought the absolute best version of Ali, I don't oh. think he has a prayer. <laughs> but I think if right. he fights the Ali that we saw a lot in the 70s, you know, kind of a diminished Ali. And, right. and the, that's the Ali that most people think of today. The Ali from, you know, say the Frazier fight in 71 uh, to the Larry Holmes fight. I think Fury, you know, guys like that would have had a chance against them. But, you know, Ali certainly, uh, you know, had the skills to make up for his relative lack of size, because he was 6'3", 215, 220. Yeah, let's pivot over to Evander Holyfield when we talk about light heavyweight, cruiserweight, then becoming a heavyweight. You and I sat ringside. I want to spend some time on Tyson Holyfield bite night. We'll get to that, but where do you put a guy like Holyfield all time, especially with the personal relationships? One of the great things I love about Kevin Ioli is I've seen you in the back of these fights, in the front of the fights, ringside, and you've built relationships with these boxers and trust over the years. Let's start with Evander Holyfield and his legacy. Well, Evander Holyfield's one of the top 10 heavyweights of all time. I don't think there's any uh, question about that. I mean, and you talk about size, and there's a really good example of it. You know, he beats uh, Riddick Bowe uh, to win the uh, heavyweight, you know, in, in a heavyweight title fight, right? Uh, Bo was 6'5", 250. Uh, they had an unbelievable series, that three-fight yeah. uh, trilogy. 
Holyfield uh, uh, beat Bo. He first lost the title to Bo in a classic fight, um, and then he uh, came back and, and won the title back from uh, from Bo. Um, you know, he has wins over Tyson. I mean, you look at his legacy. He stayed around too long, no doubt about it. Uh, fought a lot of fights that, you know, were beneath him, you know, beneath a guy of his legacy. But he's one of the top 10 heavyweights of all time. He's he, one thing about him, too, is recuperative process. You know, yeah. sometimes you would think he was gassed in the fifth or sixth round. And then the eighth round comes and the ninth round's coming. He's not gassed anymore. He, no ability. better than in that first bow fight. I oh, mean, you remember he was God. just about out and uh, came back. Yeah, and I mean, so Holyfield, he, he was just a guy that his desire was so great. Uh, and he was, uh, he's one of only two guys. Well, he's the only guy right now, the undefeated cruiserweight champion, undisputed cruiserweight champion, and undisputed heavyweight champion. Oleksandr Usyk was undisputed cruiserweight champion. And he now has three of the four belts at heavyweight. So if he beats Tyson Fury, then he matches Holyfield's feet. Kevin Ioli's our guest. So how do you come to grips with Tyson's legacy? You and I were there for bite night and all the great Tyson fights that I happened to see in Vegas. Uh, you know, for Tyson and the impact that he's had on boxing, going to federal prison for a crime where he served it and still gets standing ovations. Most people don't get that type of treatment still. When he walks into a room, his health going forward, his mental health. I mean, you've had a lot of conversations with Mike Tyson. How do you describe him big picture? Well, I think when we look at Tyson, you know, he's a deserved Hall of Famer. Is Tyson the greatest heavyweight of all time? A lot of people will say yes, but he's not even close to the greatest heavyweight of all time. Um, you know, he, he got in, he lost most of his big fights, not all of them his big fights, but you know, Lennox Lewis fight, Holyfield fight, you know, the Buster Douglas fight, you think of the big fights that Mike took and, and he lost most of those fights, you know, uh, an outstanding, uh, heavyweight, um, fast hands, unbelievable power. Um, you know, I think a little bit of his problem, you know, was, um, his, that style he had that, you know, the, the head movement, the head and shoulder and, and moving like he did that style does not last a long time right and so and you end up getting hit after a while and that and that's what happened as he went on in his career and started fighting you know guy you know some of the guys like Lennox Lewis so those guys you know were able to hit him and hurt him in, in a lot of those fights but you know Tyson's an iconic figure in the sport of boxing and I think when you think of who were the big you know Floyd has sold the most pay-per-views but I would say the biggest pay-per-view draw was Tyson because Tyson sold, you know, and he just came back in that exhibition fight in what was it, 21 against Roy Jones, and it sold 1.6 million. Right, right. He was 50 yeah. years old, and he came back. And when he was in his prime, there weren't that many homes, but he had this astronomical uh, rate of uh, sales rate that he was hitting, reaching so many of the homes that, you know, that none of the modern fighters ha have been able to do. So Tyson, also, you know, yeah. one of the biggest figures in the history of the sport. And he came along at a perfect time. There was a lull. Larry Holmes was boring. Larry Holmes was amazing. But Larry Holmes, he came Larry Holmes. Um, I, I wouldn't say Larry Holmes was boring. Come on. Uh, his personality. And so, uh, so after well, after Muhammad Ali, it's tough. Everyone's boring after Muhammad yeah. Ali. And so there was a buffer there of a great champion, Larry Holmes, who brought us some some pretty dramatic fights. But he wasn't Ali. And then enough time went by where Tyson came along, and he really rejuvenated the sport in a way that Larry Holmes had a tough time doing. And I will say this: from being here in Vegas since '96, and there was nothing to this day. All due respect to Floyd, I've been to all of his fights, yeah. Connor. 
I, there's never for me been anything like a Tyson fight. Walking into the front, Kevin, yep. of the MGM Grand when Tyson's there, yep. in that small window, there was just some type of buzz. Now, all of it, there was an era of violence. There were people there who were there to get into trouble. There were people dressed to the max. There were other people there who wanted to watch other people. As you know, Kevin, you got into those fights early. See, Kevin actually worked those fights, Tom. He got in there and watched Whoa. the undercard. We were at the bar rolling <laughs> all this. And Kevin, it was just it, does that still get you going on a big fight night? Just the buzz of a massive casino in Vegas, knowing that the whole city is excited and boxing's in town. Yeah, like I remember the Pacquiao Mayweather fight build up and and I was so into that. And I wrote every single day for like the last two months. Literally every single day I wrote at least one story. And it was because everywhere I went, no matter where I went in the town, and and, and JT, I'm sure this happened to you. You know, I'm pumping gas and somebody would say recognize me at, at the gas pump and say, Who do you think is gonna win Pacquiao Mayweather? Right, yeah. Uh and you know, what do you you know, is Floyd gonna get knocked out? Is you know, is Manny gonna be able to do it? Is Floyd gonna be able to, you know, outbox man? All those things happening and, and that that fight was just everywhere in town. And that that really like when you're in an event like that, that big and it kind of feels like, you know, your favorite team is in the Super Bowl playing in your town. I mean, that that's uh, there's nothing like it. That's a great segue. Kevin is great at this. The segue is why wasn't that fight made earlier? And my follow up oh. to you is and we brought we were brought up with Don King and Alan Hopper. My big break is Don brought me in. We built a really sincere, good relationship and Bob Arum who I see often, who's great friends with Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. Yep. Going back to Pacquiao and Mayweather, and the follow-up is, how frustrated does Kevin Ioli get when a great fight isn't made in the prime of a fighter's career? And you're arguably the biggest rider in the sport, and you know these people, and they can't make a fight. As a matter yeah. of fact, Kevin, when you are at that gas station, how many years were people asking you for Pacquiao, Mayweather? Well, I was going to say, the that question was... that I used to get on uh, Sports Talk Radio all the time Kevin, do you think that Mayweather and Pacquiao will ever fight? Yeah, yeah. That was that was the question I would get all the time, and and it happened to, from fans as well. Then it, I, I loved it a lot better when they were asking me who I thought would win, and I <laughs> right. then whether they they would fight. But of course, it's frustrating because Mayweather Pacquiao worked out in the end for both of the guys because you know Floyd made three hundred million. And a funny story that night, if you remember, the press conference was in the ring after the fight, and it was facing I think East. And we were on what have been the north side of the ring, the media. So when the press conference ended, I got up and was walking over to my seat. And Floyd's getting out of the ring. And he, and he whispers to me and says, come over here. And he was wearing a leather jacket. So I walked over to him. And he pulls his coat open. And he takes an envelope out. And he says, look at this. And he opens the envelope. And it was a check made out to him, signed. It was a valid check for $100 million. Wow. <laughs> and that was his guarantee that night. Wow. So he got a check. Now he made several hundred million more off the pay-per-view. And as well as he made money from every beer that was sold and every box of popcorn that was sold. Al Heyman did uh, an unbelievable deal for him that night. But yeah, so I, I looked and there was a check. And I went to take a picture of it. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> he, he's taking the, uh, the folded away. But that, like, when you think of the amount of money that was involved in a, uh, in a fight like that, and they had a $72 million gate. Mount Rushmore of boxing or UFC events that you've been to. Well, I would say, you know, I mean, that I've been to, Corrales Castillo would be number one in boxing, right? I mean, if you're going to say, what are my Mount Rushmore fights okay. in boxing? 
Ali Frazier one and Ali Frazier three, you know, Ali Frazier one is just the fight to me, the greatest fight of all time. Uh, Ali Frazier three, uh, the thriller in Manila, just, you know, an unbelievable action fight. Hagler Hearns, you know, maybe the greatest three round fighter of all time. And then Wait, Kevin, watching on television doesn't count. I'm talking about the ones you went to. So the, uh, <laughs> but so, so yeah, so that's fair. So, but Corrales, um, Castillo was the best because of the how great the fight was, and then the end of it. Ward got uh, the Ward Gotti fights. All three of those fights oh, were you know God. were just incredible. Um, on you know on the UFC side, I mean there's so so many of them. But Robbie Lawler versus uh, uh, Rory McDonald. I think you were at that fight, JT, if I'm not mistaken. And that was one of those fights that you know we knew going in it was going to be a good fight. We had no idea that it was going to be an all-time great fight. And, I mean, they both stood there. I think Roy McDonald's career in a lot of ways really ended that night because he got beaten up so badly in that fight that he was never really the same since. Uh, but also a women's fight uh, that you might remember, uh, Wiley Zhang uh, versus uh, Joanna Yojechik. And that was the, the last fight before the pandemic stopped things. And that was just an, such an incredible fight. And, and Joanna had that egg on her forehead. And uh, it was just nonstop punching from beginning to end. Um, there have been so many great fights over the years. You know, Cuello, um, Arguello and uh, Pryor, that that was one of them. I mean, that first fight in the Orange Bowl, oh, my God. Uh, so, so many. But I, I would say the greatest fight I was ever at, Corrales Castillo uh, won. Our buddy Al Bernstein, everyone in boxing who was there, uh, we'll never debate that. One more right. boxer before we move on. I want to spend the rest of our time talking about media. Oscar De La Hoya is a confusing, a confusing guy to me. I loved his career. I thought I was ringside, thought he beat Trinidad, thought he put enough, thought he put enough yep. rounds in the bank to win that fight. Did too. He gets into being a promoter. He has some personal issues. The documentary I didn't think was very authentic. And what's going to happen with Oscar De La Hoya going forward with Bob Arum? as we're out of the Don King era of promotions, Eddie on the other side of the pond, what's the role of Oscar De La Hoya? How do you explain him, Kevin, going forward? Well, Oscar's company is one of the main promoters. They have regular fights. Oscar's moved to Henderson now. He lives in uh, Henderson, Nevada. Um, he, he said he wants to move Golden Boy here, so we'll see if he follows through on that and does that. Um, you know, I think um, Oscar's problem is, you know, he's had drug and alcohol issues throughout his career. And so he's never been able to focus fully on boxing and, and follow an ex follow and execute a plan. When Richard Schaefer, uh, Tom and mentioned him earlier was running golden boy, they were able to do that. Right. And they put on a lot of really big events. Um, but Oscar hasn't been in, uh, um, been able to follow up the success that Richard Schaefer had. Um, I, I think if Oscar, you know, would bring in a business person that kind of would be taking over that Richard Schaefer role and then Oscar be the public figure and get out there and, and sell the fights and, and talk up the fights. I think that that would be the best way for Golden Boy promotions to go. But Oscar, you know, I mean, I will never dog Oscar's career as a fighter. Yeah. He fought oh, yeah. everybody. Oh, he was yeah. Br as brave as they came. He went up for fought Bernard Hopkins. Uh, there was nobody that he ducked. As a promoter, I think it's been more of a mixed bag. Um, and and certainly uh, he's had a lot of issues outside the ring, as you referenced that documentary, that have impacted him. Some of your favorite social media sites that you follow when it comes to the fight game. Well, you know, um, 
obviously Michael Bisping on Twitter is a really good one to follow for yeah. the UFC hall of famer. And, and, you know, he has a lot of good stuff because he'll, he'll give you really good breakdowns of fight, but Michael Bisping is a hilarious guy, right? And you're going to go out there and you're going to see uh, some fu very funny. He, he did a tweet the other day uh, where he was standing at a urinal on Madison square garden. And he said, <laughs> one, one of my favorite peas and he's standing there peeing and all these people are, you know, cheering him on and taking pictures with him and he's standing in a freaking urinal. So when Michael Bisping, you know, you never, you know, you never know, um, you know, what you're, what you're going to get, you know, I mean, Dana is one that too, and Dana is a must follow just because now one of the things that they decided to do was they realized, Hey, this breaking news, whenever there would be breaking news in MMA, um, it would just generate this huge buzz around. So now Dana said, why should we let other people break the news? They're breaking the news themselves on, you know, Dana will go on and he's been doing it, you know, for uh, a lot of maybe a last year or so. And it's just there. He, he had, I think a billion views. He told me on YouTube and in, uh, in wow. 2023, um, but just crazy social media numbers, you know, and, and he's the guy that's giving you the news as well as, you know, his, his cooking show that he has on Instagram and, <laughs> uh, and so many other, his bowl. So there's always, you know, with Dana, there's always uh, a lot of craziness going on as well. With about five minutes to go, the state of boxing and MMA in 2024, what should our fans, your fans look forward to? Give me one or two potential super fights in each sport. Well, we have in boxing, thanks to the uh, Saudis in Turkey, al Sheikh, a lot of great fights happening. Uh, so there's two uh, boxing matches coming up that I think are really significant. The heavyweight championship, undisputed title, February 17th, Alexander Usyk versus uh, Tyson Fury for all the belts. Two guys that both have titles that are undefeated champions. Neither one has lost yet, so that's one. Anthony Joshua, a couple weeks after that, is going to fight Francis Ngannou, the former heavyweight champion. I think if uh, Anthony wins that fight, you'll see him fight the winner of Usyk and uh, Fury. So I think that's something uh, really good to look forward to. You know, on the MMA side, UFC 298, 299, and 300. You know, 298 and 299 are basically done cards, and they are off-the-hook good cards, really, really loaded cards so you want to watch those alexander volkanovsky against uh ilia tapori in the main event of uh, ufc 298 uh the show in miami ufc 299 I, I wrote a piece on it last week comparing it to what they announced for ufc 300 it is really good and really deep and then dana's promising that ufc 300 will be the greatest combat sports card ever put on um, it has, it's not finished yet, but they have Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway. Uh, and I'm going to be talking to Max Holloway later today. Um, that is going for the BMF title. And that is going to be a fight for the ages. Do you think they got to come up with something other than those numbers? Could you imagine if we called Ali Frazier at the garden heavyweight championship 79? They, you know, they, yeah. they do have, they'll say Dana doesn't like the names that, you know, boxing used to come up with names. You know, right. war was Hagler yeah. Hearns, right? right. Yeah. Uh, Dana doesn't like the name. So what the UFC fights are is UFC 298, colon, Volkanovski versus Taporia. Mm -hmm. And he likes to just have it, you know, like that. And I think the fans have accepted that. And they and they remember the shows by the numerical thing. Yeah, it's, I think his answer to my question was it's working pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, finally, Kevin, I want to wrap it up with whenever a door closes in my life, I've been very lucky with this. Another a bigger door opens. Right. And Looney and I were at Fox for seventeen. I was there seventeen and a half years. I've been with the Raiders for twenty five. We're doing podcasts. I'm doing YouTube live streams. You know me a long time, and I know you. 
And I just think this is going to be much bigger for you because Thank what, you. You're, what you're embarking on now is you. It's your name. Yeah. Your name was associated with Yahoo and associated with all these big events. So let's wrap it up by talking to the audience about the importance of this stage of your career because you could have retired. You're too young to do that. You have so much information to give and why everybody should back this because they're going to get the best of Kevin Ioli going forward. Well, you know, if you looked at what I did on Yahoo, like, you know, writing features and writing columns, I'm still going to do that. But because Yahoo was such a big site and it wasn't a general interest, uh, it was a general interest site and not a combat site, there was prospects I couldn't write about and smaller cards that were really good fights that I couldn't write about because they didn't have the the big, wide sex appeal that some of the bigger cards have. I'm going to be able to do that now. I'm going to be able to and I'm going to be able to respond instantly to anything that happens. There's a big fight announced. Boom. You're going to see a story by me or a YouTube video by me talking about it. And I'm going to have a lot of different areas. I'm going to do podcasts. I'm going to have, do, have interviews with a lot of fighters up on my YouTube page. That'll be then put on my, uh, on my page. I'm going to right now I'm working on a poll. Who do you want to see in UFC 300 and, and get a conversation started where the fans can engage with each other. So I'm going to have varied content. There's going to be a ton of content for me. Believe me, there's already a lot up there. If you go onto my site and peruse it, it's uh, only been up one day. There's like, uh, I think 80 stories on there already. And there's going to be a lot of varied content, but the best is still yet to come. And that's what I would say. The best is yet to come. Right. And there's no reason to retire because you're not working in a coal mine. Take a look at the people who live to hundred, Betty White, right? Take right. a look at people who live to 99 and hundred years. It's sports casters, sports writers, actors, and people who are doing what they want to do for a living where their work doesn't feel like work or where they can't go to Europe because they've got to go sit ringside at a fight. Yeah, that's, that really is too bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, thank you. I will see you out here in Vegas, especially as the calendar kicks up again. Anything you're doing, we'll promote it. And yeah. thanks for joining us on the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you for listening to all 37 minutes and 37 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.